0: So here we are with the ginger rocket himself, Jamie Robinson. How are we doing, my friend? Yeah, all right, Dan. Yourself, mate. <laughs> I love that nickname so much. <laughs> How did you get that in the first place? Um, it
1: was just the amateur when I was um when I was coming through the amateurs. I remember boxing a kid. Um, can't really remember his name, but after the fight, one of my good pals he turned around and said, "Oh, your writing was like a rocket. You couldn't miss it." And my mate Joke and Roman oh, Hurst said, Ginger Rocket. And from then it just always stuck. I always just get pulled by the Rocket Man and Rocket up by them. And other people just know me as Ginger Rocket. So it sort of always just stuck straight away.
0: I love that. So how did your boxes start in the first place? Is it something you always wanted to do? Or is it something you sort of fell into? How did you get into it?
1: Uh, come across a box of trophies with my uh, with my dad had in the loft. When he was clearing that loft and I come across all the things. Like every, every kid wants to be, they want to be their dad's. Um, daddy's boy sort of thing. So that's how I joined. But um I watched a geezer called poingle The first fight I ever watched was Poingle versus Nazeem Ahmed And um I liked I, I liked how he was about. It was just non stop bobbing, even though he boxed Naz. Um it was very good and I enjoyed his style.
0: Well I was gonna say when you said about the Zeba things that Prince the Seam I was thinking <laughs> it's kinda of like i'm not sure who, yeah you know the
1: same here. yeah no Paul ingall I've, I've got a very similar style to him which is very high work rate i bob a lot and i'm like i'm non-stop so yeah if you watch if you watch back a video of him i'm very similar in my ways to him as well
0: it's gonna say i'm seeing double when it comes to your sort of style then is it something you've always like constantly tried to emulate or is it something a style that worked for you specifically like how did you find making that applicable for you
1: uh, when you when you start you just you do what's what comes natural, what comes natural to you, and you just you build up and you go off everybody's personality, and that's where the coaches and and stuff like that. So uh, you just, just got to try and find your feet first before you find your style. Um, but I like to box, like I like to watch. So mm-hmm. when I li- when I leave a place, I want to be able to watch my DVD back and be like, yo, that was a proper tear up. I enjoy being involved in that fight. I don't want to be looking around and being, you know, like, I wish I wish I was just gel out know, like, instead of just boxing. I like to be involved in fights.
0: I mean, this is always an interesting sort of conversation, whether it's sport whether it's a fight, and this is kind of weird, like, grey in between. And again, versus, like, the whole sort of stick move and sort of clinching up versus actually having a tear up, and that's somewhere in the middle of, you know, what an actual, like, match should look like. Like, how do you find, I don't know, making that distinction when it comes to your training and the execution on the day? Because obviously you need to get the results, but also taking those kind of risks as well.
1: Um, what, like, how do I plan about going into a training camp and a, and a fight sort of thing?
0: Yeah, that sort of style to sort of, okay, I need to be, I don't know, trying to have fun with it, but also trying to make sure you're coming out on top of the exchanges.
1: Uh, I sort of don't really watch a lot of my opponent. I, um, I sort of concentrate on myself and work, um, work on m- myself sort of thing um, with my trainer, which at the minute is sort of taking my aggression out and becoming more relaxed, so I become more of a twelve-round fighter. A little bit before I was loading up and everything, and when you're tensing up on everything, you become very knack- you, you become knackered very easily. So, to take away that excitement and relaxing situations, where I'm not going to burn energy where I was before, um, my whole my whole game plan, my whole boxing is going to be changed. And I've been boxing a little bit more because I know I've got that in a, in a tank if it comes down to it. Like everybody can sort of fight but not everybody can box. And if you can improve on your boxing and um, stuff like that, now obviously I'm going to become a better fighter all around.
0: Does that tension come from nerves? Are you quite an emotional fighter? Like when you have like an opponent in front of you, are you quite malicious in your intent? Or is it more a case of this is my opponent, this is a sport, I'm going to try and win this match? How do you see it as such?
1: My last fight, um, my whole team was just like box, 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 and I had a kid in front of me, and all, all the time in my mind, I was thinking, I could knock this kid out, but they wanted me to stay to a game plan and you. But in my head, I've got evil intention, like I want to hurt you like I like, and when I hurt you with a body shot, I want to, I want to, I want, to I want to hear it. <laughs> I, want to, you a, I want to hurt you with a body shot more than because when you get knocked out, you don't feel it. And like you don't really have a choice to get up. So when you hit somebody to a body and they're down on the floor, you've sort of broke them mentally as well. And it means like you've outmanned them, and that's what I like. I like to like hurt somebody, sort of thing, in in a controlled aggressive manner.
0: That smile is cynical as fuck. She's like, yeah, I want to hurt him. I want to see them squirm. <laughs> I want to make him my
1: New trader, Mickey, Mickey the Gent, Mickey Burke, and they. He calls himself the gent. Um, very, very um, good pressure fighter and um, trainer. So uh, I'm I'm under the, the correct trainer at the minute. And he, I just feel like in the last six months since joining him, I've come on leaps and bounds. And I understand boxing a lot more than what I ever did. Because um, when you're relaxed in your mind, um, you're seeing everything come around. Whereas before, I was just thinking about what I was doing instead of what my opponent was going to do where well, I, so, I was just so in a zone, I wanted to hurt somebody instead of worrying about myself. But now I'm I'm thinking more about myself and situations, because I know I can, I'm not bothered about getting hit, but if I can bring that all into my game, then it's just gonna make me in you know, order to give a better box, a better pressure fire. Like if I can relax in that excitement situation, instead of coming in and they used to go like, ah, really excited, but I want to hurt them Now I'm relaxed, it's just like pop, 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 and then I'll get you there. Then I know that's in the tank and and I can bring that out when I need to.
0: Do you think it's the anticipation of the opponent and the event itself? Is it pressure you put on yourself that gives you this kind of, I don't know, what, what is the biggest factor for you when it comes think to if a you, fight?
1: If you look if you look, to, if you look at all that, I think you shouldn't get in the ring. Like If you cannot put that to the back of your mind, no matter where you're at, um, I think you're in the wrong spot. Like, it's one of them things where I used to get nervous, but I'd get in the ring at the end of it and then I'd, I sat there one day. I was in the changing room before a fight. I thought, I'm gonna end up boxing his geezer. off. Why am I getting nervous for? Just wonder it. Like, work out what I'm gonna to do to him. Don't worry about what he's gonna to do to me. And then just go. Just go with it. And that's that's sort of how I approach it every time. Like, I don't get I don't get nervous. Like, I see other people. They're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it in the change room. Like, have British champions before. They come and defend the British title. They're, they're in the change room. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. They they let everything around the fight bother them. Uh, all I worry about is getting in there, getting the business done and being a step closer to my dream.
0: Now, the way you said that is very sort of matter of fact as such, like, because as much as you say you don't feel nervous as such, I think it's more of a you've assessed the situation, you've controlled those emotions, because, again, nerves are just a way of reacting to that energy as well for a situation. You've got a matter of fact kind of, OK, I'm in the situation regardless i'm going to use these emotions to be more productive and do this that and the other ways the other people with a sort of fear of the unknown kind of gets to them and that kind of you- mindset and that kind of manipulation takes a lot of time to build like how long does it take to build that kind of mindset has that always been a thing from the word go is it something you've had to work on through like amateurs how have you i
1: remember when i first uh, boxed a kid with an england vest i was walking to the ring and it was like a dinner dough and they had all these like tables and chairs around and i was so nervous And um, as I was walking to the ring, I was thinking, "Please, for somebody, like pull their chair out and like just just injure me, like just so I don't have to fight." Like I've been there, I've I've felt that, and not being able to eat on the fight days, and not be able to sleep the night before, and that. And um, I did basic training when I was like 21, and I think that sort of helped me as well uh, in ways uh, to calm my nerves because they sort of. Make you realise, like, don't be scared, like, sort of scared of anything. Like, what's the point of being scared of somebody who's who's got two hands when you're training to become a soldier and you've got somebody shooting guns? It's it's, it's a complete different frame of mind. And then oh, when I come out of the basic training because I did my Achilles tendon, uh, got medically discharged, I um I come out and I just never felt nerves or anything like that. So I thought, well, I was preparing to go to war. Like this this geezer's only got two arms, two legs, the same as me. Like. And I'm I, I can fight, and I sort of don't really let, get nervous. I get excited. That's what I love. I love, I dream about. I think about it every single day. So I don't think it's nerves. It's probably just excitement. What I get.
0: I mean, that is a huge factor as well of being aware of the situation and the actual risks of it. And when it came to basic training and everything else, how old were you when that was all going on? Was twenty-one? Was this something you've wanted to do for a while? Or was this something you kind of fell into? Uh, I felt like
1: I. Um I wasn't getting recognized as an amateur as as well as what well. I was. I won a great British title. Um, and the night the day before, the morning of the the final, they picked the kid who I beat in a final to go to Ireland and boxing like a european round robin uh, tournament. Uh, I ended up beating the kid in a final. Um, and they never sent me still. and then uh, the England coach told me I was gonna get sent to the Europeans. So then I maintained my weight, which was very hard, and um, to make forty-eight kilos at eighteen-year-old was a bit too much. And um, it, they told me my I had a health. It was like it wasn't healthy to be making the weight. So I never got picked for the Europeans, which I thought was a bit out of order, as I was the best in the country. Uh, and they sent a Great British, represented from Scotland, the only weight they never had somebody from England, and he was a Great British boy. I'd have beat him at the time. His name was called Ian Butcher. I think he's British champion or saying now, he is uh, as a fireweight. Um I even asked a box off and everything like that for him and they 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 never give it. So I sort of got a bit upset with the amateur side of things as I wasn't getting recon- wasn't getting the recognition I felt like I deserved. Um and then I now turned pro, and when I turned pro, I turned with a manager who I don't think he had my best interests at all. at the beginning. He sort of just see me as um Someone who would go in and fight sort of anybody. When I turned pro, I was sparring with Randall Monroe at the time. He was fighting Scott Quigg. Um, there was there was some good fighters in there. Jason Booth. I come through with like a good group of people. And the only reason I went pro at that time with that manager was because I wanted to be around these type of people all the time and like learn from them. But then it then it got to the case of he was just trying to fuck me over excuse so choose my language so then I went to um, I asked my contracts back I went to a geezer called Dave Caldwell who mm-hmm. is, a, is all over Sky and stuff like that a lot of people know him if they're involved in boxing I had three fights with Dave unbeaten uh, ended up boxing uh, t shirt Feek on Sky on a Kel, um, which was meant to be a Kellbrook undercard it was the biggest ticket seller on that I did 826 tickets I think it was
0: personal who, tickets who, who trained under um David Corwell as well. Or, um...
1: Under Dave Corwell, yeah, very good kid. Very good kid, his himself. Um, and then I had a little, little, a little break uh, because some personal issues went behind the scenes with um, a, a woman, which uh, is on, on the internet and stuff like that. He, um, it says a completely different one side of the story. The newspapers only tell you the negative side of each story. They never fill you the whole gap in. And the article I got when he. When it went to prison, come out of there. Um, I've done my time. I come out and I moved back down to Essex and where where I'm originally from. Because so I was living up at Bolsover, which I moved away when I was 15. I moved back down here, and then uh, I, I trained with a geezer who I was an amateur with down here called Sablio. Um, I trained with him for for two years. Um, and I just felt like I was going a bit stale. I was turning up and it was like the same thing every day. And I thought like in six months time, if I'm going to do, be doing the same as what i done yesterday, the same as what I do today, then I'm going to be no improvements made in the next six months. So I've done a selfish thing, spoke to my manager, the situation wasn't correct um, with my with my current trainer, um, with a couple of personal problems, not from me from himself like I hope he's still well and everything's sorted out now like really top geezer and I've got nothing but respect for him and what everything he did for me but I felt like my time was to move on as I felt like I was going stale and you only get one career um, so I didn't want to waste my time I just thought I'm 28 I've got probably about another four to six years maximum in me until everything until it's done so I want to give the best and improve the most I can in, in four to six years so I moved to um, I bought, uh at the time for sparring and stuff like that. We never made 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 some deal like Al Smith allowed me to go down and train with, uh, and do some sparring with the boys, um, like Sam Notes, Henry Turner, Ethan James, um, Michael Burke. Like all these boys, they're, they're top range, top top boys. So leading up to my last fight, I had really good good sparring and I felt like I was learning, so I was happy. Um, when I spoke to my manager. That I was I was thinking about going back to SAV after um, the fight, but I decided um, that I, learnt, I felt like I learned and I felt like I had the buzz back a little bit as well. So uh, I wanted to stay where I was and continue learning. And that's where I am now. And I feel like I've um, improved a hell of a lot in the last six months with my new trainer. And when it's time to uh, get back to business again, I think um, everybody's going to see a, a more controlled, aggressive 12-round fighter.
0: No, there was a lot in there to break down. <laughs> I mean, that, that was yeah, a, no, the timelines kind of thing. was like, whoom. okay, let, let's let's try and dissect bits of that. Sorry, I'm
1: not used to podcasts like you, I'm not used to all this stuff. Like, I just
0: feel free, to, fashion, feel but, feel free but, to be yeah. you and just talk. When I ask a question, feel free to go off topic and just be you, and we'll have a waffle, mate. So, of we'll here see if I have a laugh, or have a chin wag. But yeah, when it came to yeah. being a sort of, I don't know, hard done by the amateur ranks. I mean, you hear a lot of the sort of polit- uh, the political side of this, that and the other and the reasons people being sort of hard done by and being a bit like. Did you feel the move to pro was, I don't know, almost intention to try and steer away from the amateur as soon as possible? Or did you feel it was just a, I don't know, the right opportunity at the time as such?
1: The club I was with, uh, St. Michael's, there was uh, Scott Jenkins in there, Rod Smith had the matches. Danny Etches, we was all in uh, national semis, winning the titles. The whole gym was booming. Adam Etches decided to turn pro with Ricky Atten. Scott Jenkins followed about six months later. This is all to do with poli- uh, politics with boxing, with the amateur scene. We wasn't getting looked at because we was a small club. We wasn't um, with a big club, so it's sort of it's not what you know, it's who you know in the amateurs. So if your face fits, you get in there. Like my my friend, he won three national titles. He never got a, a GB assessment to go up there. Scott Jenkins. 16 and 16 115 as a pro. And I sort of followed them into the pro ranks. It was my my gym, like their daddy was my trainer, Lee Jenkins. He was my trainer from being 15 to 25. He turned pro with me. All the other ones, they sort of left him and went and done their own thing. I stayed loyal, stayed with him. Um but yeah I, I admit I um I turned pro too early. Looking back now I wish I had started my career at 25, 26. Well, now like I'm fully developed and I feel like I've got the best chance now as I picked up a couple of losses and, and stuff like that early in my career because I was probably young, naive and I didn't see what I see now. I knew what I knew now. So, yeah, I do keep myself in ways.
0: I mean, there's, a, there's reasons for everything, really, isn't there? I mean, you, have, you can say if you had more amateur fights, would you have made those same mistakes at pro? And the answer is you don't know. Because if you're in there with that experience, you could have held yourself in a different way and made different mistakes. And making those mistakes gives you more time to get this experience of pro and main records are for DJs. And when it comes to the records themselves, it's it's formality. Like, it's, it's a tricky one when it comes to the politics of getting matched up and who's who and all this kind of stuff. But it's just whatever, really. Yeah, when I was amateur
1: as well, like... Uh, we went from being like, you, you do youths at four twos, and then you go to three threes. Um, but three rounds never suited me. The fourth round was always like where I always brought it back and I'd won my fights. I'd lose the first round always. I'd have a rubbish first round. The second round, it would be even where I found the kid out. The second, the third and the fourth round, I'd normally win or I'd stop them. Um So... I thought the pros would be more my way because of the longer rounds. So when I went to the pros, but then I wish what I did now, I wish I was an amateur now, shall I say, because now it's more it's more professional based. It's more like your 10-9 systems, which would have suited me, which would have been more pressure fighting. Um, it was a more 10-9 system. The whole amateur scene now would have, would have suited me. So I wish i stayed around for, for this time of being an amateur now. Um but at that time and moment, the amateur scene didn't didn't really suit my style with a free freeze where the three rounds didn't suit my style because I'd lose a round then you even in the second and the third round it was like I'd win it, but the decision would be like this. So I picked up a couple of iffy decisions as um as a senior um so then I turned I think I turned pro a bit too early, yeah.
0: and again, it's just one of those. And again, stylistically, it's always a funny one who you come against and how their styles would with emulate. And ultimately, it all c- comes down to experience, but again. So then from there onwards, obviously, going into prison for whatever reason, you can disclose it if you want, it's up to you. But more so coming back yeah. from there, did you feel, I don't know, a chip on your shoulder to then try and overperform or push yourself away from that? So uh, I started
1: know? fresh. I moved, I moved away from everything and everyone. Uh, my whole family—they live up north. I live down here with my girlfriend, and um, I just—I I wanted to start fresh. I come down here. I started with a new trainer. Like my whole team was new. Like all—all all I know is my childhood friends, which was down here. So it's nice to come back to an area and be be around it and be around by real people who I've known all my life. Whereas up north, I've got—I've got my real friends and people and that. But when I was in jail, they sort of forgot about me. So when I come out, I sort of had a bit of beyond my body, like you didn't even have the decency to write me a letter or to see how I was or just to see my family or ask or whatever. So then when I come out, it was sort of like, I had a bit of built up anger inside. I thought like the amount of times I've done stuff for you or I've been there for you or uh, and stuff like that to certain people, When, uh, when I was in that situation that I needed somebody, no one was there for me. So when I come out, I thought like, like i'm like i'm quite selfish now this is going to be about me now not for about anybody else
0: i mean this is always an interesting situation my always, <laughs> i always say my mum says this as well but people have their own rules like if someone's in a situation my rule to myself is i'd make sure they're okay that's something i stand by in my own ethics whereas if someone else has a different set of rules like i don't know it's their kind of like morals this that, in the And it's always a bit it's just a shame when it doesn't sort of line up. If you sort of, if you would do that for someone else and it doesn't reciprocate, it stings. Mm. It's a bit like, why have I put this effort into someone? Why have I, you know, given yeah, like why am I
1: showing you this true love to you when all you're, you're doing is showing me fake? Like, don't don't be fake. If you ain't gonna be, if you ain't gonna be real to me, then like remove yourself because all you're doing is just wasting my time and your time eventually. Because all you're gonna do is eventually one day be not my friend
0: exactly you get a lot of people who are your friends because they're it's convenient you make up the numbers or they make up the numbers and okay or by extension you're a contact you're someone i know who knows so and so or this that and the other so when it comes to shove it's then what it's not something they're not horrible people they're just convenient they're just a bit like okay it's just like oh okay how you doing That's all it needs to retain a friendship friendship
1: yeah you 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 sort of realize that as you get older and that like your circle gets smaller your vision gets bigger and all that type of thing like but you, like you sort of know who your friends are by the ones who contact you as well. We don't want nothing from you as well. So um, I don't know when you get older, I think you get wiser more to that. I think when you're young, you sort of want to be around everybody and everything, and not sort of miss it. But when you're older, you become wiser to all that and think, I don't actually want to be around you now. Like, and that's why everything gets smaller and and you do sort of well when I think when you get older. When it comes to
0: because your you're boxing you're
1: finished. So, focus
0: on yourself when it go comes on. when it comes to your boxing and taking that seriously as you do obviously it's quite a selfish sport in the sense of you have to train on your own you have to allocate a lot of time doing that you don't go to the pub with your mates that's kind of stuff how did you find with your friendship group with that did they support that kind of decision do they try and encourage you to sort of you know spend more time with them because obviously people don't get it but you know yeah
1: it is a very hard one it's like I've done it since I was six, so I don't know no different. Like, so I'm, I'm very institutionalised in the boxing, so that everything sort of comes second nature. Like, I could be stood in a pub and I'd drink a bottle of water and I wouldn't think nothing about it. There's like some of the other kids just can't do that. So and, and as well, I think it's nice for them to see that I do take it serious. Uh, if you want to be serious, you've got to be taken serious. Like, you've, got act, you've got to act serious to be mm. taken serious. Yeah, yeah. Or when in there, like, drinking beer and saying, yo boys, I'm boxing in like three, four weeks. You want to come watch me? They think, who the fuck are you? Like? You're having a laughing. Whereas if you're standing there with a bottle of water, people want to make He's you salad. think, yeah, he wants that. Yeah, he wants, he wants that. Yeah, like, and that's why I'm so, with my training and with social media, with my boxing and that, I'm very out trying to get out there because I believe in the mind of, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And if you're, even everybody's face of it, they take notice. Do you get what I mean? I, I say to like my friends and that, they say, "Oh, you're putting a graft in," and I say, "Yeah, but social media could fool you as well. I could just turn up to the gym and do like three 30 second exercises and then kid you." I says, "But I don't. I'm, 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 a, I'm a hard worker and and everything like that. I take I take pride in everything I do. I don't cut corners." Because um, have, you, have you seen the uh, Kevin Hart motivational speech?
0: Which one <laughs> you've got so many He
1: speaks like I see myself on a stage once and he said, I looked a mess. And he said, I have people paying a harder money to come watch me, give me their time. So I think they deserve the best of me. And after that motivational speech what I heard, I, I sort of took that into my into my into my game.
0: Now, there's a few, quite a few things I want to sort of go into with that. It's really interesting the way of being people's face, because ultimately, you're a product. Your product is you. Your ticket sales for these events. You want to market yourself as a product. Okay, I am this elite athlete. I need to demonstrate that. I need to demonstrate my worth as an elite athlete by my training videos, the nutrition, all this, that, and the other. And being in your face, this is what I'm doing. Because gone are the days of being a bit of a stoic in okay, I go off like a monk for X amount of time to train and then come back and fight. Now it's... You can't tra- do that
1: as a ticket seller. You can't do that as a are ticket seller. Like I know loads of boys who turn over and they like don't put a lot on social media. And I'm like, mate, you've got the power to draw everybody in and like you and see you're working and seeing how passionate you are. And you're just letting that all go. Like you're letting that little space go. Like Use it. Use everything you've got to your full advantage.
0: Especially if you're doing the work already this is the biggest thing to mote with this what it should be used for if you're going to use the marketing tool is to highlight what you're already doing you shouldn't go in purely to get content <laughs> like if you're already training yeah. you're doing the bits doing the odd little pad clip on instagram is just a nice little way of hey everyone look i'm doing this oh i'm working on this that's all you need to do and then people acknowledge that okay, yeah. you've trained it's not a case that's of funny you, know, you set up all the sparring I... rounds you get a picture and you're like oh yeah hard crafting with the guys
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Like I used to years ago. I used to like I, I train as hard as what I've always done, but I use social media more now. So it's funny when I go to the pub and like, oh, you're training hard now. i like, I've I've done it all my life. It's just that I'm exposing my training now because I want you to see what I'm doing. So then when it comes to you seeing, saying like, oh, like come and watch me fight. You know, I'm giving them one hundred percent, and I'm going to be in the best shape of my thing instead of being in a pub and and saying, oh, I went to the gym today. And nowadays. Everybody goes to the gym and they write about it. So it's like social media now is like a diary to some people, and I use that as my training as well. Like every every training session I do, I, I will try and put same culture of conditioning, but it won't be the new stuff. Like I, I would do, uh, it'll all be the new stuff, like new content. I would, I, I try not to put too much of the same stuff up as well. You just got to use social media to what what it is for the management. I think there's a lot of people out there don't use it to their full advantage and they're missing out.
0: i tell you a huge part about why I feel it generates those ticket sales as well and gets that emotional investment. It's because it feels like you're part of that journey, you're part of the fight camp as such. It feels like you're following along like take for example if you don't use social media, your mates just see, Okay, oh you've got a fight soon. Okay. How did the fight go? Did you win or lose? Okay. And that's all they sort of see. They don't see, Oh shit, there he is again, there he is again. He's doing that again. Oh, he's had a good session, he's had a bad session, this, that, and the other. He's still doing it, he's still there. Oh, there's a fight coming up, okay? He's training really hard for this fight. I wonder how it's going to go. And the whole build of every session is a bit more like shit. Yeah.
1: Even though like, I only have like 3,000 and some people got like 20,000 and stuff like that, Like, I still, one takes one. I still put it up there for myself more than anybody as well. So when I look back as well, this is another reason why I look at social media is when I look back, in camps and I think like yeah I remember that time that was that was the that was, I'm feeling really good about that and I look back and it's something to be proud of as well of what you've done because you're investing so much money and time into this into this sport it'd be rude not to take advantage of that as well for yourself
0: I mean that's, a huge, that's a huge part of it it's a journal it's, that's what I use mine for if anything else you get the sort of there was it memories back on this day, how many years ago you were doing this, that, and the other. That's what it's there for. It's the sort of track, okay, oh, I remember that session, I got beat the fuck up. Or this session where like, ah, oh, I remember that one. I learned this cool move I can't do now. Or something oh, I remember getting so gassed and throwing up after doing hill sprints or something like that. Those little things of, oh, I remember that. That's what it's there for. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's the worst, though, when, you, when you've when you had a spar and somebody said, like, you just been wading in a spar or something, or you've turned up to your first one and it's your first spar, but that kid's nearly on his peak and he's nearly fighting and he scores you or anything, uh, and then you're having a picture with him and you remember that. You remember you that all the nice. time. <laughs> <laughs> you're just thinking, like, I remember that day. That was horrible, but was it's all part of the thing. game. It's like you can't turn up to the gym and work every day, like, when you feel like it or you you can't just give up when you have a bad day like everybody has bad days so you just got to take it in part of your journey and believe in the process
0: i mean this is a huge part of it as well And people always use the sort of terms like on your journey part of the process embracing the grind of this kind of stuff but this is what it is it's learning to use that experience and those experiences when it comes to push comes to shove, you get used to putting in these pressure and used to being in these situations that when you get into put in there again, you're like, Okay, I've been here before. I'll be alright. Instead of oh shit, what is this? What is this sort of panic mode? It's horrible. And that's the only way you can really appreciate being beaten up. Well, that's how you can be justified being beaten up of nothing else. <laughs>
1: um I've I've spar- I tell you what, I'll give him a little shout out. Yeah, I'll spar the kid. Called Dalton Smith, he's one of my good friends as well. Um, he's probably the only kid I've ever sparred with and thought, like, he just knows everything what I'm gonna do. Like, he just read this, years, this yeah. years ago with the same weight now, like, as professionals, like, I go and support him and everything like that. He's a nice, proper, nice kid, humble, he deserves everything he gets. He's on the mat, he's with Matt Truman. He's like one of the next superstars. Like, this kid, I couldn't rave about him enough. And he's the only kid I've actually shared the room with all my time. Thought, you know what? Wow, like. You're like, that. He's, he's good. And um, yeah, but I've took back and I've, I've learned from them spars as well with what he tells you after the spars.
0: I mean, this is a huge part of development in the sport is asking these kind of questions and getting these kind of, that kind of feedback. Because it's not until I started training at the gym I do now, over in been off Sam's MMA gym, there's a lot of people who will ask you how their rounds went. They'll ask you what I did wrong, what I did right, and if they won the round. I never saw it like that. I always see sparring as it's just, you know, it's what it is. But people really make more of an effort of getting the feedback and getting a lot more of, okay, I did this, or I noticed you did this. That little bit of feedback makes a world of difference.
1: I think if you look at a spar like a match, I think you're treating it wrongly. I think if you treat a spar like you practice on the stuff that you're working on and treat it like a real life situation, to practice the things instead of warring it all the time. Like six months ago, I was warring in sparring. I was mean like, I was going to, like just warring everybody, just wanted to fight everybody. Like I never really sparred a lot. Um because I used sparring as just speed and time and I just thought I was I just just I just wanted to be I become a box I become a fighter. I just wanted to fight everybody. Um six months ago I went to Al Smith's and and my trainer with Mickey Burke and they've decided that I can actually box a bit. So I'm um, with me boxing as international, as amateur and that. It sort of brought it in, uh, brought it back into my game again. And I'm looking forward to showing the people I can actually kind of box a little bit more now as well. Um was just fighting. But yeah, sparring should never, ever be took and see it like. It shouldn't be like that. It should be competitive where you can have a little dust up if it goes a little, if you both feel like it. But it's only really to practice in a, in a real life situation and I think if you look, if you're taking it more than that, and you're coming out, and you're telling people, "I bashed him up, and I've done this, and I'll, I'll beat him up in sparring," and that look, and like you get fooled into that thing of like I've seen plenty of people read too much into spars where they smash somebody up in sparring, like yeah, I'll bash you up in sparring, but get in the ring and they smash smashed to pieces. Because the difference is when I'm sparring, I don't really care. I don't really care about taking a shot. I'm trying to ride. I'm trying to work on my things. What I'm what I've been shown by my new trainer so I'm trying to work it out and and bring it off Um, and sort of I forgot what I was going to say now but yeah just don't don't really and then when I come into a fight like the sparring mentality is the learning mentality and the fight situation is my fight so this is where it's like this is where it matters and when somebody whacks you in sparring you're sort of like right you're not really bothered but when somebody whacks you in a fight it's sort of like yeah, it's my turn now. I've got to get that back. I've got to get that back. So then, your mentality is a complete different difference. So, like, you might get somebody who's amazing in sparring, and you might get somebody who's really good in, but rubbish in in a fight, but rubbish inspiring, but really good in a fight. I'm that guy who's rubbish inspiring but I will turn up on the fight because I know when it matters.
0: Now that is a really interesting, but mindset at all because again, sparring is the closest thing to a fight you're going to do before a fight. And then to treat it in a different mindset entirely and then be able to switch that on. is really interesting, different sort of ways of looking at it all. And on top of that as well, that kind of troubleshooting of trying stuff and being, have a safety net, if, okay, if it goes wrong, I'll be okay because we're not trying to knock each other out. Then push comes to shove, you can switch it on. And prior to that, anyway, you were saying something really interesting, how you went from being a fighter to being a boxer and that sort of transition. And I think that's so important to develop that layers of a fighter, so it's not just. Cause you hear people saying I've got a heart and I've got a chin. I'm saying that shouldn't be your priority. It <laughs> should be like you're like. Yeah, no, I've got I've
1: got the biggest I've got the biggest heart out there and and stuff like that. And I love a left hook body shot. And my trainer says to me all the time, these top level boys know you've got that body shot. Like you've got a discreet, you've got a to, like touch, touch, check and then whack. Like so all these little things of just thinking about. Whereas I used to just think of in phases. Like the first phases, you 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 you're trapping you're making him work and you're bringing him onto shots or and you get you get yourself in that position then number two is then you're punching and then number three you're thinking about how you're getting out and getting to safety or you're tucking up and you're thinking about your next thing so whereas before you should just think about number two whereas now I'm thinking about more about one three and two like getting myself in them positions better so to bring to work we start we start, start sparring so i'm looking forward to working on what i've done in the last three months and putting it into this spar now and hopefully i can transition it to being as relaxed as i am on the pads and it, letting it flow to come in as good as what well it is and uh, inspiring because if you can get it in sparring then you should be able to get it in the ring
0: would well, definitely makes sense a lot being in those situations and then creating these openings because the real difference with that in the fight is the intensity and the sort of panic kind of, I don't know. When it comes to that kind of adrenaline, it's so much harder to see these things. It gets so much more like you know, on a split second. Whereas humiliation,
1: humiliation is people's biggest biggest failure of it, and people are bothered about. Um, people are bothered about it by um, they feel like they're letting people down. Like they feel like they're letting people down. They feel like they're letting the crowd down. I used to, and that's why I think I was I uh, went from being a boxer. To all of a sudden, being a fighter, where I was so scared of because I'm a ticket seller, I want to be involved in the scrap. No one wants to really want to come and watch a boxing match, they want to come and watch a tear up. So then, I got drawn into this into being a fighter and forgetting about all this, all what I uh, achieved as an amateur with, with my boxing ability. So, to be able to bring my boxing into it now, as well as and then in the room, in my, in my reserve, I know I've got, always got that aggressive side in, into me because it's already logged in you can't lose it it's either a fight or your flight and i've got that fight in me so to work on my boxing is only going to improve my whole hold together better
0: and again it's these layers because again your heart and your sort of fighting mentality is going to be your sort of core and on top of that you build these layers of the sort of skill side this, that and the other so when push comes to shove you've got that in your locker of being you know a left foot body shot and always kind of like you know it's there you don't need to rely on it as a primary thing it's just there in the locker and you can start being more meticulous when it comes to playing for the crowd it's so dangerous because if you're yeah, worried about booze thing, and cheers and that who's, who's that for because if you in the, the day it's your record that you're fighting for as such to get yourself elevation because you know they don't give a shit if you go anywhere afterwards you want to make sure yeah. for you you've got yourself a lot of fighters
1: do what i do as well though with um It's only the last, like like I say, when I went to Al Smith and I went to Mickey Burke, who's my trainer. And they both tell me, like, you're an exciting fighter whether you box or you fight. You're always going to be an exciting fight. So don't concentrate on fighting too much. Just get there, box. It's always going to be an exciting fight. And you'll always have people come and watch it because you're an unlikable person and and you take your sport very serious. So you're always going to be able to sell tickets. So you're always going to be able to box. So don't worry too much about the crowd and what they think. Just keep doing what you're doing and improve on yourself uh, uh, and keep going with yourself. Don't let everybody, let all them distractions bother you.
0: And again, this whole sort of sports psychology is really interesting and how people deal with these kind of factors. Because again, as much as the ideal world is to put the blinkers on and shut these things out, easier said than done at the best of times. Cause you know, in your sort of heart of hearts and your subconscious, okay, this is a pro fight. This could be the next fight that gives me the, Step into the next rank and next top promotion and get this, that, and the other. So you you know that, and the crowds there, the numbers are there. You've got all your pressures to make sure you perform in the rounds and executing things and everything you see in a moment's notice can be taken away. And it's just that constant like battle with yourself to try and keep that composure, whilst also keeping that pressure from being you, and this whole kind of back and forth. It's really hello.
1: Hello, you broke up there a minute.
0: You are breaking up with me? Ass. I mean, I've been. Bit...
1: No no you you broke up. <laughs> broke up. Man. Yeah no you broke up for a second there could you repeat what you said mate?
0: Sure, so a lot of it is the sort of psychology of the the whole event itself which is so I don't know it, it's so interesting how people deal with these factors because when it comes to the pro fights each fight is so significant the fact that each one could be the next one that gives you that step and that projection in your career. And you know that your heart of hearts. So on top of that, you've got the factors of your performance versus the risk of if you take the wrong step or the wrong sort of punch, the wrong little bit of space, you get caught, and that could be it. And always remembering that, but also trying to keep composed and being you. So it's always this back and forth. It's really interesting hearing how you deal with these kind of emotions.
1: Yourself. I think you just need to stay disciplined to yourself and not let then let them distractions bother you. Like. You pay a team of people, which is like your manager, your trainer, your nutritionist, and you just get up and you do your best. Like I leave all that down to my management. Uh, my management, I pay them to do a job and that's to get me the right fights, at the right time, and potentially make me a champion, which I believe I will be one day. Um, but yeah, I pay, I pay I pay my manager to do a job, and I, I trust my management to get me the right fights at the right time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have employed them to be uh, my to do that job for me.
0: And it's always an interesting kind of belief in who you put your sort of faith in when it comes to your weight cutting. Do you cut quite a lot when it comes to your fights?
1: No, nah, I make weight easy, man. <laughs> no, nah, every 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 fight, they struggle to be fair, but it, it's just you just got to find what weight you feel right at and what weight you can perform at. So, some people they can cut weight and they, they can make the weight but making the weight and then fighting at the weight is completely different you need to um, you need to just find a weight where you feel comfortable, you feel sharp at So, but I feel good at around about 10, 8, 10, 9 10, 10, so ideally I don't want really to be waxing at weight because when they fully rehydrate they're going to be a good 11 and a half stone 11, good, good 11 and a half stone so they're going to whack a good stone on so a lot of fighters, they're bringing themselves a good ten pounds, twelve pounds lighter. So, yeah, weight weight cut is a bit of a nightmare, but I think I've got a good team of people. My nutritionist, um, and I haven't, I haven't had any problems making a weight or performing at it with them. So I think they do their job correctly as well. And it's what's all your, a big good team. But...
0: What's your post fight food looking like? What's the um, usual damage?
1: <laughs> Can we be straight here? Yeah great we are um i box 63 five kilos yeah. um three days later three days later uh, i jumped on the scales of 82.2 kilograms
0: excuse me
1: so it's a it's a bit like that. when you let your body go and you enjoy it and you're um
0: what the fuck and you' you're such a trick <laughs>
1: <laughs> anything if you once you're fight once you've fought and that and like you know you've got a nice little break and stuff like that. you don't really look at them weighing scales and I remember just jumping away as scars. And I thought, "Yeah, it's time to get back to business now." So straight away, I jumped back on. But it was more like the water, like you when you when you rehydrate in, like your body holds on to water. So it's a lot of fluid weight and stuff like that on top. So when you lose that fluid weight, I probably go down to like seventy-two, seventy-three kilos, which is still ten kilograms over. Then over like a ten-week training camp, I bring it down like a, uh, half a pound a week, and then like like there, you you get you just you you get your weight off. And then you go and wait and you fully hydrate. Everybody does it. It's
0: a lot more sensible when you said it that way. I thought it was like a couple of days okay, you sort of probably take it back on.
1: <laughs> I think they're the one when they fuck up. I think that's when people that's when people fuck up. Like sort of believe the pro, you sort of believe the process of your diet and you just got to break it down and you just got to as well as I've done it since I was six years old so I know my body. I know where what's right and what's wrong and well we did um Two fights ago, I did a keto diet leading up to the fight, which is like no carbs, mm. and it stripped me. It, it, it ripped you up. And I felt like I had no energy in the gym, whereas my last training camp, I did the keto, but the carbs I was having was from my sessions. So with my sessions, in my mind, I was feeling like a million dollars because I had them carbs to burn off, and my body was allowing to still drop the weight, even though I was still eating and, and having like one, one carb meal a day. So... The carp cup was nicer last time than the, the time before which was which i learn every time and if you i think if you don't learn in i think you you're stupid in your own way sort of thing like you should understand everything of of everything what's to do with your sport like you, you're a professional athlete you should be very professional in everything you do i like don't don't just become a robot because he says do it is do it like everybody's different so everybody works in different ways I know a couple of boys, they don't even eat carbs. They just they just train up fully on protein and good fats. Whereas my body type, I need carbohydrates to have that energy to be burning and stuff. So everybody's different.
0: It's a really interesting point as well with development in that kind of, it's always changing everything else, especially when it comes to, take nutrition for example, like what works for you now might not work for you the next, I don't know, six months to a year, purely on like hormone change and that kind of thing of what works and how your body develops. And if you stick to it always worked because it did, that's not really a reason. That's not really an answer. And then the same with training as well. Like things get stagnant. Things need to develop and you need to keep an eye on know, the sort of game and development in itself because if you don't acknowledge it at least or at least try and understand what's going on, get it left behind. You have to try and catch up. And
1: with my team as well, I like to interact. Like, so my boxing trainer speaks to my strength and conditioning. My strength and conditioning speaks to my nutritionist. We like a proper close... We even have to. We're all on the same group on a on a WhatsApp, so everybody's everything's logged into it for my for myself. So like, if I'm losing if I'm losing weight, my strength conditioner is not going to start bulking me up with massive weight things. He's going to do like stuff that's going to help me make my weight as well. So it's all everything's tailored made around my me making ten stone. Whereas before, I, had, I didn't have a nutritionist. I thought I knew it for myself, um, and I was the weight above. And I was thinking, no, I would never made that weight, I never made that weight until we did it and tried it out. It worked a treat when we had a nutritionist and stuff. So, like, a year ago, I wouldn't have made, uh, I wouldn't have made ten times. But now I've made it, and I've boxed it, and um, and I know how to make it. And, I, and with my team of people around me, I don't think I'll ever, I, I don't think I'll even struggle now.
0: I mean, that is always so important. The more people you can get communicating. You could be on the same page, it makes the whole process so much smoother as well.
1: Yeah. I built I built a team of people around me, um, which I believe is the best team of people um which was was available to me. Um and I, I just turn up and I'm a robot. I discuss like basically like if I don't feel like something's going right, I'll discuss it, but they they tell me what to eat, they tell me when to train, they tell me basically when to sleep, when to rest, when to do this. Like there's there's so much to it now. It's like there's so much science behind it. It's like literally, it's a lifestyle, a 24-7 lifestyle. It's not like you go to the gym and you're finished and you go home and you you have your missus's dinner or whatever. I'm going home and I've got my my macros, which is your right protein, your yeah, fats, God. and your carbohydrates for each meal. And um, my, my missus does all that for me. So I don't literally cut a corner when it comes to fighting. So when it does come to that fight day, I can never look back and be like, I wish I did this different. wish I'd done that different. Like, i do everything in my camp.
0: And that's what you want as well. You want that kind of security in what you're doing and that consistency because it just makes the whole process so much smoother when you actually, you know, stick on track with it because if there's little sort of slip-ups, it's just going to, I don't know, let yourself down do yourself an injustice really, a disservice. With, um, there was something we were talking about before this about parts of your journey. You've got your friend there. Your dog is that you yeah, my, my dog yeah
1: come come in yeah come here you know she's sick <laughs> okay <no>,
0: face. <fine. laughs> oh yeah what are we talking about oh yeah <laughs> there's a few sort of bits and bobs we were talking about going through on this today and one thing you sort of touched on as well was your sort of I don't know, experience with the sort of cancers and stuff how did that all come about when in your journey did that pop up
1: um, I was in, I was in, I was in prison and, um, I of having some alone time and, uh, one of me, one of me, <laughs> one of me nuts, one of me nuts flew off into my stomach, but I never thought nothing of it. Yeah. I just put it out. Never nothing of it. And then about 18 months later, I was, um, I was a to box on the, the 17th or 15th of December, um, 2018. And I was in a, I was two weeks, two weeks after the fight. I remember just being in the shower, in a wash, and I felt something to scrape, scrape my finger when I'd done a check. And I thought, felt like alien. Like, it felt like a, like, do you know when you scrape the end of a pee? Like, if you was to touch the end of a pee, like, it yeah, yeah. felt like alien. And like, have you ever banged the end of your finger and you get like that numbing, like, non, non yeah, yeah. feeling so, like
0: It's so all a bit warm, but a bit like, yeah, it's not yours. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I could feel it straight away.
1: I told my miss straight after that. I got cancer. I went straight to the hospital. They give me an ultrasound. I see the doctor straight away, his face change. Um, I said, "Is it can't,? he said, I can't tell you. I've got took in a room. And to be told, you've got cancer. It's got to be like one of the most wreckingest, most weirdest thing ever. Like he was talking to me and I was just like words. All I thought was, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And everything, what, um, I've become ignorant to what the importance of real life was. Like, Now I value my family a lot more, like everything, all the little things I value so much more because before I was more worried about uh, other stuff, um, little distractions. But now, um, when when I went through that time in my life, it sort of made everything what was important, like really important, like my family. Like I wanted to just be around my family. I didn't want to go and be around everybody else. I just wanted to be around the people that meant the most to me. And I think it does open your eyes in that way. Like you, you, I'm very grateful, um, but yeah, to be told you had I had cancer was a very mad thing. Like, and then I found it wasn't until I, my, I sat down with my miss and she's like, "Oh, you've got Tesla cancer. You're just going to get rid of it." So then, like, then I started unwinding a little bit. I didn't really. I just thought oh, I say, a ball, like, lop it off. Like, I don't really care. Like, I thought I'd be all right with one and that." And then you come through your count. You come through that and. And they ask you, I say, Oh, straight away, do you want canceling? You're like, No, nah. like you, you, you just come through, you're fresh as a daisy. But then when you sit there and you start realizing stuff like stuff that you never knew before, like I didn't realize my voice was like David Beckham's, I ain't as broke as what I thought it was. I just thought I had a broken voice and it was, it weren't, like, it weren't like it is now. Um, and then where obviously I've got one less, well, I've got one ball, I didn't feel like my testosterone was producing enough and I was moving in. Moving in white sort of thing i word it i was moving in like you know like flamboyant, like, not, not girly, not girly look like, yeah just like a little bit more like immature in my way sort of thing like a bit sillier and um i it wasn't until like i've actually looked back and i realized i actually had changed this all in my mind but these things really do get to you and waking up and you have stuff in your head and it tells you like um like I know, you just always don't like the person you are. like some Everything where you find out about yourself isn't something you're going to like. And that's where you sort of have to... I, I want to go to these Macmillan counseling lessons, uh, sessions, off once once this is, so I can speak about my problems, so I don't feel alone out here. And this is why I've spoke to you and, and you've asked me on the podcast what you want to speak about. I want to bring cancer to a light to understand, like, it's not over when you're having the treatment. It lives with it's like a year later down the line, I'm I'm thinking like I need I need counselling now. I want canceling now just to go and speak and feel like I'm not on my own out here. Like no matter how big and big you are and everything like that, in your mind, your mind is mad like when you when you let it take over. And I think I let it take over a little bit too much with it and I, I overthink about everything too much. I bothered about bothered about people like looking at me and like when I walk around I feel like some people are like, oh, he's that he's, he's kid who's got that cancer. He's that kid who's had that. Like, it does bother you in ways, but then in other ways, it's like I've gone through, like, a real-life situation and come out the other end of it, and like, I meet adversity in, in the face and stuff like that. I boxed, and when I boxed, like, you go back to what we were talking about earlier, what do you feel? When I boxed in September, I never, ever shit myself so much in my life. I see the kid, and like, I'm I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an aggie person. Like, I love I love a tear up and all that. And I see him, and I just thought, I ain't got the balls for this no more. I want to see if my balls like
0: Literally. I
1: ain't got the bollocks. For it. <laughs> yeah, like I ain't got the bollocks for it no more. And I thought it wasn't until I got in the ring and started doing it, and I thought, yeah, he's still there, but like nobody when I was walking to the ring could actually see that, and like, I couldn't switch into the fight. Normally, when I walk to the ring, I'm banging my gloves together, I'm banging it in front of his face. This one, I was so relaxed. I couldn't get zoned in because my mind was so elsewhere. I bring in what we were talking about earlier because my mind was elsewhere because I was thinking, I ain't got the bollocks for this no more. I feel weak. I feel weak because of the cancer and stuff like that. But realistically, I'm the same person. But um, I'm sponsored by a woman whose, whose company is Box Prep her and name, Her name's Nikki. Um, a lovely woman. Absolutely lovely lovely woman. She got diagnosed with um cancer herself. She's going through all the treatment and that herself. Like right? so I speak a lot with her as well, which has helped me in ways as well. And I think it helps her as well that she can chat to me. Um but like she's going through it as well and and it is it is it's such a hard, hard thing to um it's, it's a hard thing to express how you feel when the person you're talking to has never experienced it. You know what I mean. So when I do chat to Nikki, it feels like I can let my guard down a little bit more, and she understands where I'm coming from.
0: Again, there's so much to sort of go into with this. But first of all, I really appreciate you being as open as you are about all this sort of stuff, because again, it's it's a very personal thing. You went, through. yeah.
1: It's not it's not for myself. Like it's not for myself. I want to give awareness. I want to give awareness to show people like if he can do it, I can do it. Sort of like Tyson Fury effect like if he like don't let cancer beat you he actually come back from cancer and he's done this like i hope somebody in my position um not hope uh, like if somebody was in my position i hope they look at me and think because he done it that's made me want to do that so they give you give me a different outlook like you could look at it and you sit there and it can crumble yeah. or you can look at it in another aspect and think i'm going to do this for everyone and show everybody that it is possible to do And that was the outlook, what I wanted to give. I was back in the gym three weeks after my operation. I couldn't hardly walk, but I was was in the gym doing stuff. I just wanted to show everybody this. Me, I'm being an
0: I think especially in the boxing world as well, because a lot of that is based off of the whole bravado and being macho and being a man. So when it comes to, especially when Tyson Fury came about mental health and that kind of thing, that kind of honesty of the, the manliest man in the boxing world, the heavyweight champion of the world, comes out as saying, okay... I'm struggling. This isn't, this title is all sort of facade. I, I'm not, this hasn't made me happy, more fulfilled. And for you to say as well, like, literally, like, what makes you a man has been compromised from a medical point of view. And to say that out loud and say it, you know, how it's affected you in that way, it's affected your sort of hormones, your sort of testosterone, that kind of stuff, is a really powerful thing. How open you've been about that. Because it's not the easiest thing for a lot of people to sort of, I don't know, show any vulnerability. Because, you know, you may have put on the front of saying, you know, used to being in the gym hiding, not wincing and get hit or trying to hide any kind of injuries or any kind of ailments. So when it comes to something that personal and that impactful, to try and to keep be as open as you are, I've got a lot of respect for that and a lot of time, especially the environment you sort of spend a lot of time in to then go against the grain in that sense of being open about what's caused an issue for you. And again, there's so much in it that's so impactful i want to say in the sense of again i can't talk from experience but to the way you the way you sort of describe that the sort of feeling of aloneness thinking okay because i've been that now i should be okay and i am quote-unquote recovered but then what is the aftermath of trying to feel a bit lost feeling a bit like
1: you you find you find stuff about yourself or you don't like and like these little things like I could do it a lot. I could do it without knowing. And then after, like, oh, fucking, hell. I don't like that. I don't like that about my... It's inside me. It's inside. It's not like it's not like you can see it. Like, it's it's it goes deeper than that. It's in your mind. Like when you're sat there on your own, and I'm in the bath, and and you're sat there, and you don't feel your balls anymore. You feel a ball. It's like it's a it's a mad experience, and like in ways, you feel like you're you feel like. You feel like you're not, you're not, you're not a geezer as, as much as you what you was before. But it's it's only in the mind, and that's why I like Tyson Fury, because he brings through like a lot about mental health, and he's he's very open about it. And if he's a public figure about it, then if he can do it and come out, then surely I can talk about the cancer, and it's going to help someone else to talk about it. Like when I give awareness, I didn't mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think about the awareness side of things. I I was clipped a box on the. 15th of December and uh, I wanted to go out and just have a good night have a couple of drinks with my pals but I didn't want everybody to come over to me saying oh you're boxing in a couple of weeks and me turn around and say no mate oh cancer like I didn't want to tell everybody else thingy so what I done was I did a big long Facebook status put it out there basically called like said I'm pulling out the fight got cancer and all that but at the same time it gives so much awareness to my friends even even my friends, if they, they didn't message me and that, they still check themselves. They still give themselves the a check over. So there's still awareness, and that still saved my friends in, in ways. Like they, they look at me and I'm the fitness freak. I stand there and I'm drinking water at the pub, and they're out there having a, a drink. And that should never have happened to me because I'm the fit geezer. Um, So it, it sort of made them eyes uh, their eyes open to like everybody, like it. It can actually hit people who we know, you know what I mean. Like it ain't just people on the TV, who's, what, not. So, in in many ways, I'm very grateful. I give away awareness because I had I had inboxes from my friends and a couple of like messaged me. who ain't right, right, my friends that I've never spoken to before actually messaged me and said I've got lumps and stuff like. What should I do? And I'm like, look, you've got speak to the doctor. Go go there and and then that. Like, They've sorted their problems up. Not they not had cancer, but they've had like cysts or whatever it is. Like because that could been that could have been it. You could even have a cyst or it's, yeah. or it's a cancer. Cell. Yeah, I was very lucky. I had three cancer cells in my testicle, and um, they reckon if I didn't have it, then like it could have oh. gone into into my lymph nodes. And if it goes into your lymph nodes, I think it's quite serious. Then and, and then again. there's a. Lot of- there's another risk there's another risk I've done and, and, and as people go on about chemo um I declined chemo for my boxing which I thought was for myself and I wanted to prove everybody that like, you don't need that 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 shit in your body sort of thing because although it's killing a bad bad virus it's killing all your good cells as well and that's what a lot of people don't understand some people don't have a choice where it's the cancer so far in but I had a choice, and it was 25. percent It'll come back if I don't have the chemo, or 15. If it 15. Uh, if I do have the chemo, so I thought, well, there's still a percentage of chance that I could have it. What's the point of putting a like a can in in me? What's going to open a can of worms and be basically you don't know which way it's going to be. Everybody's different, everybody's body. So I thought, yeah, 10. I won't take the chemo. Yeah, and I said, like, if I if it comes back, I'll be able to save it. They said, Yes, that's what I I went and risked it all with that. I turned around and I stayed by my guns and I never went with the chemo.
0: I mean, this whole thing really sort of makes you appreciate the sort of mortality of everything else. When push comes to shove, that's the moment you really appreciate what is important to you. And it's very, very powerful the way what you said was the first thing, and the only thing you said was your family, spending time with your family. You didn't say anything about boxing as soon as you said about when push came to shove and you were really panicking about what was going to happen, at no point did you mention your boxing career, which is so much more impactful that push comes to shove, you know where your priorities really are. And that boxing, as much as it is your life at the minute and what you're doing, you know that when push comes to shove, your family will come first. And that's what you need to always... 100 That's what you need to really I wouldn't be where
1: I am now without my family. Like, my whole my whole life, my mum supporting my career, my, my sisters, like... Everyone like is just supporting my whole career. So, um it, it, without them, this wouldn't be possible. So, I think when it when it comes to saying serious like that, I think the importance is your family, and I think family is massive in it to people. And I, and a lot of some people, I don't know if they're close to their families or whatever. But me, my, my me and my family are very very close, and um, they're very very strong people, and they helped me through a very very tough time. So at that time yeah just the yeah, only thing that was on my mind was my family
0: regards to training going forward now do you have any sort of testosterone replacement stuff you are eligible to take for that during training because obviously when it comes to testosterone in boxing like additional stuff is always a bit of a questionable subject yeah, when it comes no, to well, testing I, stuff
1: i think when they did a um, when I did all my papers with British Boxing border Control. There was very high on the paperwork and stuff like that, and seeing what I have and uh, see if I have any medications and stuff like that. Um, and I think that was to do with the answer is if I had to have steroids to make me feel level, then I wouldn't be allowed to box. So um, I've asked they they asked me, shall I say, if I wanted um if I wanted say, to lift my testosterone. But that could potentially fail me as a uh, for drugs in in boxing, so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't do it to risk my boxing career. I'd I'd do it like how I feel now, right? And I have uh, I have vitamin D. I like vitamin D. There's there's other stuff. What vitamin D is very good for, like obviously your testosterone and stuff. That, that's basically vitamin D. So I have a replacement with uh, vitamin D capsules, and I try and. Um, Eat foods with vitamin D, and, and whenever it's hot, I will try and get out there my top off, and try and soak up as much vitamin D as possible. Even though I'm ginger and I burn. I to say I vitamin D is massively, like, <laughs> risk versus
0: is, reward.
1: Is yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just you just got you get it while you can, sort of thing. But that's what I use for the vitamin D. <laughs> well,
0: this is it's always important, to, you know.
1: But one it. one of the massive things, like you could go down to as well with after the cancer, before like the. The cancer and stuff like I didn't feel like I was such a lively person. Like now, it's like when you come through that, it's like you do get a bit of more anxiety more than um more than anything. um And with the anxiety, you you can't stop talking, which is why now I'm talking and I keep going and going and going because I'm anxious of if I'm saying the right things. Do you know what do you know what I mean? Because it's weird. It's, it's hard to explain. If I don't know if yourself has experienced it, but anxiety works in weird ways. And with myself on this interview now, I'd like talking about the interview, why I'm talking so much is because I'm passionate. Because it's coming from the heart. So when I'm when I'm trying to put when you try and put passion into words, there's not enough words to describe something. You know what I mean? But I think that anxiety works in there is massively after after boxing and your depression um, after after the cancer was massive, and I look at Tyson Fury and I think like if he can go from being like Big geezer to all of sound being a creme de creme, but like, then I I can, I can do that.
0: Do you feel a pressure? That- to, sorry, do you feel the pressure to perform over and above now being on a comeback to inspire this redemption story as such? Do you feel a pressure to be that person to you know? Exceed expectation. You know what?
1: Well, I used to worry about losing. I used to worry about that. But when you've been as low as what I have, and you've sat there, and you've been fractions away from jumping out of like your window, and like, I lived in a big tower block, and I was, I was, I was tempted to jump out one day, and my dogs, my my dog changed my life, and I sat there with my missus and she says, "What? What could be worse than this? Is a loss worse than this? Is is that?" And uh, I said, "No." I, a loss would never take me as low as what that is. So sort of I'm enjoying it more. I'm enjoying my boxing more now. I'm not really looking at that. Like, I'm not scared of failure. Like I've I've experienced real failure in real life. Like a sport, like you've got to, you've got to risk it to reward it in sport. And I ain't scared to do that either.
0: I mean, that's a really powerful thing you were just saying there. So what happened with that then? Why did your dog save your life then?
1: I bought a staff. I bought a staff I thought I needed like um I was in a home. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't I couldn't move for like three, four weeks and I was it's getting quite lonely. My girlfriend, she was working long hours and um, my friend was coming round and he was looking out through me today. But I wanted I wanted something to keep my mind focused on something, so I got myself a dog and I remember going out and um I sat in the next day and I just thought like I can't do this no more. Like I've got to the point where I physically can't, I can't handle it no more. Like, I, And uh, and then i am just thought to myself like, who's going to look after my dog? Well, if I go like, who's going to look after my dog? Like then my dog's going to have to go somewhere else because my missus got work to live. So my dog saved me in a weird way. It was like sort of, it was weird because it was a space of literally, I had my dog literally like, two weeks. And then like two weeks later, I was feeling like, you know, I want to I go. Like, I don't want to be here, but that dog saved me.
0: When it comes to feeling like that again, have you, seen anyone about that to sort of because again you've had that rational thought of okay i have responsibilities i have this way of i don't know i've got a bigger reason i
1: think if you've, me. i think if you experience something like that in your life and you don't have a fault like that um i don't think you're human i think when 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 like if you do experience something like that like i you like everybody in in times in their life must have thought about something like that must have like the everybody has a limit everybody must have reached it some at some point in their life But um, some people can't and that's when it that's when it, it, that, it that happens but um i just thought like nothing could ever come close to that feeling and how i felt so everything apart from everything away from that situation was a bonus to me I can't I care about having money I can't care about anything now. like I don't all I want is, is like your health my family I want to be a, I want my own family which I've got a little girl a little daughter on the way um, which is she's in three three weeks time so I've got another little focus and another little motivation and stuff like that so that's that's um, another thing to be proud of in life and it works in weird ways I was with my girlfriend for four years and we were trying for like two and a half years. Couldn't get it. Found the cancer six months later. Boom, she falls pregnant. It's like it's like a miracle. It's like your body never allowed it because you wasn't right. So like, nah, David, I, believe in, I believe in the process and I think everything happens at the right time. Like if I had a kid before the cancer and then I got the cancer, maybe that would, would ruin me or whatever. But now nah, everything just seems to click clicking in place and it seems like I'm getting climbing the mountain. And then sooner or later I'll be I'll be this champion. I'll have my daughter. Who I'm going to make proud. And I'll, I'll have a night. I'll have a good family. And and stuff like that. Like there's there's the life's life's too good to cut short because of um, a hard time. Like hard times don't laugh. Tough people do. And the case in my case was what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it was a case of I ain't letting this kill me. It's just going to make me stronger. And I, I and I'm un, I'm mentally unbreakable. I think like right? that's how I feel like with the boxing side of things. Like your punch couldn't hurt me as much as I felt in my life. You couldn't do what I felt in my life. And I use that as as part of my in my mentality. Like you've never been through what I have, so you're never ever going to be able to put me where I've been.
0: I mean. I literally have goosebumps. Like I've a bit choked up. I mean, that is powerful. That is a really powerful thing. And how you've come through all this kind of stuff and this, that perspective on the whole situation as well. It's a really, uh, I I can't even get the words to describe that. I mean,
1: yeah, like some people just want to hide. Like when they get cancer, they want to hide, and that.
0: No, fuck that. I, I, I wanted to be out there. I wanted
1: to show everybody. Like, I'm I'm beat in this. Like, do you know as mad as it sounds, I had a. Uh, I had a fight line up with a called Sir Osgo. I broke my knuckle in sparring, and breaking my knuckle affected my mentality worse than that cancer did. Not in the long run, because like, now I, I realise like I'm 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 proud enough to admit that I need a little bit of not help but a little bit of support kind going of. and speaking to people and yeah, just feeling like I'm not the only one I can actually talk to. Um, but I, a, I, I let that bother me and. now i'm back training and um and um it's weird because it's like the smaller thing bothered me more than the actual real life thing
0: i mean when it comes to getting support for this kind of stuff the way i try and i don't know help remind people why it's important is like if you couldn't make weight you'd get a nutritionist so if there's something you're struggling with why would you not get someone who's a specialist in that area to help you out with it and it's the same kind of thing like when it comes to your sort of headspace and everything else like if you're, if you're having the same problem doing the same thing surely do something different because otherwise you're going to have the same problem always and this is where it gets so dangerous when you get people in a fighting environment who are constantly trying to put on the brave face of oh I'm not injured oh I'm not hurt no I can do this and that habit how you do anything how, is how you do everything and that attitude of oh I'll grip my teeth and get on with it is beneficial yeah, in the I've right times
1: that, I've had that before I've had that before boxed, um, a boxer of games it called Hatif Shafiq um, I had a perforated eardrum the week before the fight. I messaged my manager. I come through, um <laughs> come out to the doctors and he said, like, don't box. Don't box, you could potentially go deaf. I sold eight hundred and <laughs> <the> saying <same. laughs> you could potentially go go deaf like yeah. So I'm saying to like my manager, like, yo, listen, the week before big fight, like we were on live on Sky Sports, I sold eight hundred tickets. I messaged my manager, I said, like, I can't um I've been to the doctors, I perforated my ear and and he was just like, no, you can't pull out, you can't do this, do that. So I sort of got forced into a fight and it went wrong for me. Then the next fight, something something else happened and I just wasn't right. And then even on the day I wasn't right, I even asked the doctor, I said to him, like, check my chest, is it is it all right? My head wasn't right. Um and I boxed and you can see I wasn't I wasn't even in a zone when I got in the ring like I weren't. And that was another time like I got got sort of like pushed into that. No, you you can't pull out. If you pull out, you're never going to be on Sky sort of thing. So I sort of of boxed on it um, to keep everybody happy. But I got two losses on my my record because of them times. So when this time come around with this Sierra Osgo and they injured my hand, when I spoke to my team of people, they was all all like saying, yeah, like this is the right thing. Like you don't want to go in a fight if you're not 100%. Like we want to give, we want to have the best fight we want to have the best fight there is instead of like you turning up 70% and like there being, your hand being on your mind. So um, they were supportive, and that's how I know I've got the right team of people around me now compared to when I would be before. They just they use me as sort of a cash girl sort of thing like getting there, you're a good scrap it out, make a decent fight, get in there, make it happen sort of thing. But that was that was my 10th fight. Now he had 16 fights at the time. He was like, I think he like lost one out of 16. I jumped in the ring, I dropped got dropped with the first shot. I remember getting up and I see my little sister in front of me. I remember seeing my little sister thinking to myself, she's watching at home, I can't have that. He's come at me, I couldn't feel my legs, but this was because of the perforation. I think my balance and that went I come back, I thought I thought I thought I pulled it back, but he nicked it by one round. I won to fight. And um I just just feel like after the fight, I thought, I wish I never boxed that fight now. I wish I never boxed that. I wasn't 100% right. And then from that moment, after the other one, when I lost, and I got four stints again. I thought, if I if I am not 100% in myself, then no one will ever see me box again. And that's the way I use it. If I'm not 100%, you're not going to see me.
0: I guess it goes back to the Kevin Hart thing you are saying about if I'm not looking my best, why, do they, why should they see me? And again, it's...
1: Imagine if I lost, yeah, and I come out. I, I said, to "All my mates, oh, fucking, hell, brother, oh, it was because of my broken knuckle." I'd think if it was me, I know I'd pay my hard-earned money. I think you, dickhead, man, like you, dickhead. I wasted my money to come here for you to use an excuse. When I come out, and I'd be like, you know what, yeah, he. If he beats me, it's because he's better than me. He deserves that. Like I think he was, he, although i perforation and perforation over eardrum and that, he, he did beat me. He was good. He was a good kid. He was um, he was very sharp on the night. I sort of I, I sort of messed that fight up myself with the weighing. He's a he's a very sharp fighter and I made him nervous. When he was over the ring, he was bouncing and I was all calm and that and he'd come out and he was just so sharp. I mean, jab jabs was missing me head and it felt like I was in like you know, like uh, when you when you're playing Call of Duty or saying <laughs> you really past your head or that or that or that football goes past your head you I was hearing punches go past me head and I'm thinking, Fucking hell <laughs> fucking hell like uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all an experience and uh, it's all part of the uh, process. That's where you go back to believing in the process as well.
0: And, again, it's a very important... One thing you said that was really important is that kind of awareness. Like, yes, you, you've, the thing you pointed out was you had a an impingement, you had an issue, but that wasn't the reason you lost and you accepted there was other factors and that was it. And having that ownership oh, yeah. over the fight itself. Because if you start blame culture of, oh no it's my nutritionist you got this wrong what was my strength coach you overtrained me or the, whatever because when you want to throw out then who's that for who, who, no, like, we,
1: had, we had the best camp we had the best camp um, and it was literally the last spot the last two rounds of the spot I caught a cu- cupping shot and it pushed the air down the ear perforated sharpening up where you could, every time I kept pushing me, out like that it, just, it feels like your head goes ooh like this hmm. so then I had four rounds in that fight and the other ear went and I thought well that's it. it just gets, just to, you gets just got to grit your teeth and just get stuck in now. And I thought I won the fourth, won the fifth, won the sixth, won the seventh. And then, yeah, I thought it was a nip and tuck on the other last. He won the first four and he knocked me down with the point. So I thought it was like literally like four four in rounds and he won by the point. But yeah, he, he, he done well in that fight. He was very sharp. And I think if, if we could go back now with the stuff that I know and the stuff that I've learned, I'd be a complete different fighter now to him. I'd beat him now.
0: I mean, this is that kind of awareness you really need to develop as a fighter. Now, Jamie, I really appreciate your time. Where can people find you on socials?
1: Uh, just follow me on Instagram, Rocket uh, gingerrocketjr. <laughs> I love
0: that nickname so much.
1: Yeah, that's no, cool. Thank you for your time, mate.
0: That's all right.